Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Today we're continuing our series on worship. And so uh, I, I'm going to speak and then we're going to worship again because we want to be people that put into practice what we do so we can't just hear the word. Thanks so much, mate. We can't just hear the word, but we want to uh, be doers of the word also. And so, um, so today I want to speak on the topic of worship as warfare. Now, I'm not talking about in some churches how people might uh, fight over, you know, what songs they're going to sing or fight over what the music should be like or what type of instruments or drums in church. Like, how does that happen? But, you know, you stick a screen in front of them, so maybe that's better. You know, we're not, we're not talking about that for worship as warfare. But as we, as we continue this series, I want to communicate to you the, the power that is found in worship. The power that's found in lifting up the name of Jesus. And so last week, I spoke about worshiping in his presence. And we unpacked the fact that not only is God omnipresent, which is just a fancy word that means he's everywhere all at once, but he's everywhere. Also, as we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible talks about that, that Jesus lives in our hearts. So not only is God everywhere, and then through his spirit, Christ is in our hearts. But there's, there's this special thing that happens when we worship God together. We talked about this word manifest, the manifest presence of God. What that means is manifest simply means to, to reveal, to make certain something that was always there. And so when we worship God together like we have this morning already, like we will again, we, we believe that as we worship him, as, as, as we worship him, his, his presence is there available. We're not just singing some karaoke songs to you know, warm the crowd up for, for this part here, but, but we're lifting up the name of Jesus and we're believing that his presence comes and fills us. But, but today I want to speak about this idea of, of worship as warfare. And you know, there's many places in the Bible where worship and praise are associated with, with fights or with, with battles and, and, and with warfare. And you, you may know these or you may not, that's, that, that's okay. But in um, Judges 7, uh, this guy called Gideon defeats the enemy that, that are thousands with only 300 men by blowing trumpets, smashing jars, and shouting praise to God. Different, 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 different technique, right? In, in Joshua 6, this is probably the most famous one uh, in, in the Bible, Joshua leads the, the Israelites, God's people, around Jericho where they're silent for a while, that, you know, keeping church people silent, that's probably the first miracle right there. We hear you in the meet and greet, it's all right, it takes a couple of minutes to come down from that. But, um, but, but anyway, they, they march around and then they praise and these previously impenetrable walls fall through the praise to God and then they go in and they take the victory. In, in the New Testament, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, two of the early church leaders, they're in prison for their faith by the, uh, by, by the ruling Romans at the time. And uh, the Bible says around midnight, they're praying and praising God. And then a great earthquake um, happens, which breaks them out of prison, breaks them out of the place where they are, and brings them into freedom. And, and so we believe that there's a pattern that's found here, which shows us the power of our worship and the power of our praise. See, now it's important to understand that when we're talking about having victory, winning battles, or defeating enemies, we're, talk, we're talking spiritually, 
Okay, not, not, not physically. We're not, you know, going out and sharpening swords and doing any, 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 any crazy stuff like that. We're, we're talking spiritually here. And, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about how God loves us and he has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And Jesus says that I come to bring life and life to the full. But it's also important to realize that the first half of that verse that I just quoted from, so John 10.10, says this, the thief, speaking about the enemy, about the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, this is Jesus speaking, they may have life and have it abundantly. And so just as God has a great plan and a great purpose for your life, the enemy, the devil, has a plan and that is against you. It's to, it's to rip you off. It's to destroy the purpose that God has for your life, for your family, and for your future. And so that doesn't scare us because we, we, we know what God has done. We, 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 we stand in faith. Uh, the Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans 8.31. He says, says, what then shall we say to these things, the challenges that we face? If God is for us, who can be against us? But it's important that we're aware of this. We, sometimes in our Western culture, we can think of uh, you know, these things or supernatural things of, oh, that's all, you know, we, we just figure it out. But no, there is a spiritual reality that we all face. There is a power that is for us, that's greater, that's God's. But also there is a power that is against us. The enemy is against your life. He wants to rip your life off. But... It's a, it's a spiritual battle. And so Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We know that the battles that we face are spiritual. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament about uh, Judah, Israel, God's nation at the time, how, how they faced this tough physical challenge, this, this tough physical battle. And you know, many times in the Old Testament, which is the first two-thirds of the Bible, it's before Jesus turns up in flesh uh, on the earth, the, the Old Testament gives us a physical picture of a spiritual concept. So that, that doesn't mean that it's an allegory or that it didn't take place. We believe in the Bible. We believe that it's accurate to, to history and, and, and what took place. But the, the recounts of the nation of Israel give us insight into how God works in and through his people. And so the rest of the message, we're going to look at this scene that's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And um, in, this, uh, in this part of the Bible, it, it centers around uh, the king of Judah at the time. Uh, he, he has a great Bible name, Jehoshaphat. Who knows? Actually, hand up. Have you got a Bible name? Hand up if you've got a Bible. Who's got a Bible name? Who, who thinks their name appears in the Bible? A few people. Yeah, we've got some Timothys, some Peters, some Jacobs, some Sarahs, some Andrews. Some, yep, all, 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 all over the place. I didn't make it. Marty is not in the Bible. Or Martin. Only my in-laws are allowed to call me that and parents. But anyway, but, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make it in the Bible. But who knows? And this is funny because obviously we celebrated um, Carl and Sarah who named their son Micah, Isaiah. Yeah, and so very, very, very biblical, which is awesome. But who knows that some families, and maybe I'm going to get myself into trouble saying this, but they just go nuts with the Bible names, right? They, do, they, they just go crazy. We, we know this family in our um, Hills location uh, in Sydney, they had, um, they had five boys, and uh, the names of these boys are Uriah, Jairus, Enoch, Isaac, and Amos. 
They're really into their Bible names, right? Really, really into their Bible names. Now, if you know a little bit, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. The, the funniest part is that the eldest is called Uriah. And if you know the story, Uriah is this guy that gets killed because King David is keen on his wife. So like sends him out, sends him out, sends him out to battle. Boom, you're gone. It's like, what shall we name our kid? Yeah, let's name our kid the guy who got killed for having a hot wife. Maybe, maybe, maybe that'll, maybe that'll work. But anyway, well, let's, let's get into it. 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 says this. After this, the Moabites, also don't name your child Moabite. Anyway, after this, the Moabites and Amorites and with them some of the men, Menuhites. I want to say that. It's like Menulog. Anyway, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Jehoshaphat was afraid. So this, this story here, this, this recount in the Bible, it starts out like a typical battle story. The enemy is approaching even right from the start, we get a sense of that this could be a tough one because it talks about three nations have merged together to form an alliance against God's people. So Jehoshaphat, who I said was the king of Judah at the time, he, uh, the Bible's pretty plain and simple. He was just afraid. He's scared. He's, he's, he's freaked out. And, and probably for all of us, we've been in a place like that before. Uh, in fact, Rachel prayed into that this morning at the um, at the beginning of the at the beginning of the service, maybe we've been. Maybe you're you're like that right now. You're looking at what's coming, you're looking at what's ahead, and you're feeling overwhelmed and scared, fearful, thinking, I, I don't know if I can make it through. It's probably not three enemy nations coming against you, but who knows? There's challenges on all sides. Maybe you're a young person here, and at the same time as there's study pressure from school. Maybe there's also challenges in your friendships, and at the same time, you're just feeling this overwhelming sense of, ah, I don't know if I'm good enough, or, you know, well, what, 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 what's my purpose in life? Maybe, maybe you're hearing there's financial pressure in your business or at work. Maybe there's, at the same time, there's discord at home, and, and, and you know, your relationship with Jesus is maybe just hanging on by a thread, but I'm sure we've all been there where we feel like there's like three things or multiple things that have merged together and they're all against us. Jehoshaphat was in that spot and the Bible declares that he was afraid. But you know what? There's actually, there's nothing wrong with feeling or being afraid. That's a normal part of life. In fact, what Jehoshaphat does next is the most important part. So let's keep reading. This is verse three again. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdom of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in your affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold... 
the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What does that verse say that Jehoshaphat did? It says that he set his face to seek the Lord. Not only that, but he calls the whole nation to do the same. You know, often we can be in that place where we're unsure, overwhelmed, uncertain, not, not, not sure which, is, which way is forward and which way we should go. And we can let this fear distract us and take us off course. Fear regularly pushes us into ourselves and fills us with worry, with doubt, with fear and anxiety. But when we are fearful, what did Jehoshaphat say? It's time to seek the Lord. When we don't know what the next step forward is, it's time to seek the Lord. I love how the Bible describes it. It says that he set his face. He set his face to seek the Lord. You know, there's power in worship that moves our attention off ourselves and onto God. There's something about setting our face to the Lord in worship. You know, last week I talked about the fact that worship is just, it's just a vehicle, the worship song, sorry, is just a vehicle. It's a tool that helps us express what is going on uh, on the inside of our lives. It gives us a language. And I know so many times in my life, there's, there's been occasions where I've been facing doubt and fear and worry, haven't known what to say, haven't known which is the way forward. But, but, you know, when we worship God, when we lift our voices, it gives us a language. It gives us something to say. It gives us a way to communicate. Okay, what, what, what is going on here? I'm going to trust God. I, I, I'm going to trust Him. I, I'm going to have something to declare when I'm feeling unsure. See, as we do that, it's actually the beginning of warfare. Because remember, we read the verse from Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. As, 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 we, as we take those words, as we, as we, worship, as we worship God, it, it does something. Worship declares God's word over, over, our, over our lives. When we, when, when we face those battles, one of the biggest battles is for our own mind space. It gets filled with worry and doubt and maybe we just keep recycling negative thoughts over and over again. But what it does is when we worship God, it lifts Him over our thinking. It lifts Him over our doubts. It gets our mouth speaking something different than just negativity and worry. There's a power that's found in worship. Worship declares God's words over our life. We, 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 sang, we sang already, you are more than able. When we face challenges, He's more than able. When we face um, heartache and, and grief and loss, anything is possible for God. There's something in the words that we sing and the words that we say. Notice as well in the passage that we just read that Jehoshaphat prays. He, when, when he prays, he does, he does a couple of important things. In, in verses 5 through to 9, and you can maybe read these at home again, he remembers and reminds himself who God is and what he's done in the past. Verse six, I'll read it again. It says, this is part of Jehoshaphat's prayer. He says, in your hand, speaking to God, are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. What does Jehoshaphat do? He reminds 
himself who God is. We sing and we worship to declare out who God is. Not because God's insecure. Not because it's like, come on, worship me. You know, tell me how good I am. Come on, get to, I'm feeling a bit low today, guys. Come on, can you just, can you just give me something? No, no, no. God, God's not like that at all. He's not insecure or forgetful. He doesn't need reminding. But who needs reminding? I need reminding. We need reminding. When we're facing challenges, we need reminding about who God is and what He has done in our lives. Jehoshaphat needed reminding. God's people that were facing the approaching enemy, they needed reminding. You see, Jehoshaphat remembers who God is, but he also remembers what God has done. This is verse 7 and 8. I'll read it again. He says, Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in a, sanct- um, built for you in it, sorry, a sanctuary for your name. So, Maybe if you don't know the background of this part, you're like, I'm not really following along what that, that means. That, that, that's fine. This is, sometimes it's like, um, if you, are you into Star Wars at all? If you ever watch, like, yeah, no, thanks, Emma. Great. Anyway, uh, moving on, I'm looking this way. But if you're ever into Star Wars and like the spin-off series things, um, I watch them and enjoy them, but I know that as I'm watching them, I'm probably getting about one quarter of the content because there's like all these references that I don't get. And then when I don't get them, I go and talk to Chris and like, Chris, explain this to me. What? And he's like, oh, well, this is, you know, this from this Sith Lord and this is, you know, this is a little bit, a little bit like that, all right? No, two people are connecting with this. All right, let's move on. Anyway, it's, but this is, this is a little bit like this, right? Here's the background quickly. Where God's people were at the time... Uh, that was the promised land. It was this land that was um, that that was that was given to that sorry that Joshua took over that 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 God broke them out this nation of Israel. He broke them out of captivity in Egypt. They traveled through the wilderness and they complained and a whole generation is lost and Moses misses out. But this guy Joshua takes them into this promised land and he defeats all of the enemies that God calls him to defeat to to deliver this land, this promise of God to Israel to make them to make them a land. But now what's happened is that some of the enemies that God said, look, just leave them alone, because the people of Israel have turned away from God, God has allowed them to come in and start to take possession of this promise. Remember I said that the Old Testament often gives us pictures and types of what happens with our walk with Jesus. And you see, this, this story of, of Israel, of God's nation, it gives us a picture of our own salvation story. You see, if you've confessed your faith in Christ, you were once away from God, living in slavery, slavery to the world, slavery to yourself, a slave to sin. But God, through Jesus, broke us out of the world. Just like the uh, Israelites were broken out of captivity, out of Egypt, it's a picture of us coming out of the world and into Christ. In fact, let's keep the picture going for a while. If you, if you know the story, they come out of Egypt and then God parts the Red Sea that they, that they stepped through and that gives us a picture of water baptism. That, that when we receive Christ, we come out of slavery, out of captivity. And then also, we, as we walk through, as we go through the waters of baptism, it's a picture of saying, you know what? The old life is dead. I'm coming into something new. And just like the Israelites then walk through the wilderness, hopefully we don't take, you know, 30 plus years to do that. But, but God's always taking us through something to get to the promise that he has 
for our lives, the promise of being with him forever and the ultimate promise that when our time on earth ends or when this world uh, finishes up, that we have an eternal promise with Christ forever. We will live and reign with Christ forever. That is, that is the promise that we have, right? So this picture of Israel gives us a hint, a, a metaphor of what our lives are like. As one pastor said, the Christian life in across many areas, you're either in slavery you're either breaking out, you're either going through, or you're either living in the promise. One, one, of, one, one of those areas. And sometimes it's multiple at the same time. You're like, you know what? My marriage is in the promised land right now, but, you know, my finances, I'm just trying to, trying to break out. Or, you know, at work, I'm like just, I'm, I'm grinding through. I'm pushing, pushing through this wilderness. But with my family and my kids, I'm like, our relationships, I feel like it's the promised land. You're either in one of those sections in many spheres of our life. But so Jehoshaphat's praying to God. He's saying, you made a way for us to be here. This is the promised land that you have given to your people. Now, God, it's time to turn up because we're scared, we're worried, we're fearful. The odds, they look against us, but we are going to trust you. You know, and as we worship, we speak out who God is. What he has done. We, we, we do that all on a, on, a, on, a, on a Sunday. You know, the first, first song that we sang today, See the Light, what does it start with? Arise, my soul. Remember this. He took my sin and, and he buried it. This is, this is not some karaoke warm-up for the start of a Sunday. Come on, this is, this is what we're declaring. Uh, I know sometimes when we get used to the songs, I, you know, even just reading, uh, reading this as I was preparing this week, I was like, come on, that's what we are speaking over our lives. As we come in on Sunday at 10 a.m., we're saying, arise, my soul. We're saying, remember this. He took my sin. Shame, what does it say? Sorry. <laughs> took my sin and he buried it. That, that's what God has done for my lives. It's no longer I who live, but it's now Jesus lives in me for I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. That's what we're starting this Sunday with, saying this is what you've done, Lord. This is who you are over my life. We aren't singing Sunday morning warm-up songs. We are preparing for war. We're preparing for battle. This is a declaration. This is who God is and what he has done. And I can't move on until I remind us of this verse that was right at the end, second half of 12, 2 Chronicles 20, 12b. This is Jehoshaphat. He says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Come on, for some people this morning, that's, that's you don't need to listen to anything else. That's, that's, take, take that. Just take that. I, I don't know what to do, God, right now, but my eyes are on you. I'm setting my face to heaven. No matter what the circumstances look like, God, I am focusing on you. I'm focusing on you. You see, worship will change your gaze. It'll change your gaze. Do, do you know the lyrics to the famous 1922 hymn? Not your, like, trivia specialty. That's all right. Let me, let, let, let me tell you. Helen Lemmel, you might know these. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full. I really want to sing, but I won't because I want you to stay. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I really wish I was one of those singing pastors, like, come on, man, let's go, you know. But, but this, is, this is what we're doing. We're turning our gaze to heaven. We're saying no matter what's going on, no matter what's against us, God, 
I'm focusing on you. Okay, let's move quickly. This is the rest of 2 Chronicles 20, 16 and 17. Um, tomorrow, go down. So what happens is, um, we'll skip a few verses. God tells them what to do through a prophet. And then this is, the, this is the end of it. Verse 16, tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jerel. Um, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. The Lord will be with you. Skipping down a few verses, verse 20 says this, And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And they went before the army and, and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose, rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Zir, they all helped to destroy one another. So crazy, right? Jehoshaphat's like, we've heard from God. We've set our face to heaven. God, what do you want to do? He's like, start with tambourines. Sorry, what, God? Start with singers. Singers, they're not, you know, always the most muscular, like, you know, you know, fighting and singing doesn't usually, you know, go, go, go together. You know, no, 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 like start, no, no, start with the, start with the, start with the singers. You know, what, what are you in the army? Oh, I'm the tenor. No, no one says that, right? No one, no one says that. They're like, okay, start, start, you start with singing, right? But it's crazy when they began to sing and praise, the Lord sets an ambush against the enemy. You see, Jehoshaphat heard from God, and then in faith, they follow God's commands. Faith, faith I've said this before, um, I stole it from someone, not sure who, but I've said it enough times to make it my own now, but faith is spelled T-R-U-S-T, trust. What, what is faith? It is trust in God. The book of James says that without faith, it is impossible, sorry, the book of James says that faith without works is dead. Hebrews said without faith, it is impossible to please God. So here's my encouragement this morning. It's great to know this. Yep, awesome message. Yep, worship has power. Yep, as I worship, I weigh spiritual warfare. Yep, yep, got it, got it, got it, know that. Yes, as I lift God up and remember who he is and what he's done, it brings strength and comfort, it expels fear from my life. But, but here's my challenge for you. When it comes to it, when it comes to the battle, when you're facing the opposition, will, will you do it? Simple. Will you send out the singers first? Will you send out the tambourines first? Will you send out the, the gongs, the drums, the, the whatever? Will you send that out first? So as we wrap up pretty quickly because we're going to worship again, uh, maybe the band can come and join me. Here we go. Here's two challenges for this week. Two challenges for this week. Because we, we don't just want to be a church that hears the Word of God, but it says there's power when we hear the Word of God, when we do the Word of God. Number one is this is will you come next Sunday with a heart prepared to worship God? You're like, well, what, is, what does that mean? 
Well, I, I, I want to encourage you, especially if you've been following Jesus for a while. Why don't you come next Sunday? I'm not saying you haven't done before, okay? But come ready. Come ready. How, 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 do, how, do you, how do you come ready? Here's a couple of tips. Take, take, some, take some time Sunday morning in prayer. I know it's tough. I know you're getting, you know, the small children wake you up at 6 a.m. and the teenagers, you drag them out of bed to try and make it to church. I understand if you're a family that life, but, but take some time in prayer. Yeah. Could just be five minutes. Okay, God, I'm going to your house this morning. God, I'm going to worship you. God, as I come this morning, I want to, I want to bring a, a, a word of praise. I want to bring a song of praise to, to you this morning. God, I'm gathering with your people this morning. Let me, let me lift my voice. Let, let me be prepared to, to meet with you. I, I encourage you. Maybe you might even come next Sunday and you might come into the auditorium a couple of minutes early. You might take a seat and just, just take a moment and say, God, okay, I, I'm here. I'm ready to worship you. I'm ready to lift up your name. I'm ready to, to, to lift up your word as we, as we gather together as, as, as a people. Maybe you, may pray, maybe you may pray for someone during the week. God, remind me of someone in the church that I can, that I can pray for. Remind me of how I can, you know, maybe pray for the worship team this week, that God, as they, they lead us, they're not putting on a show for us, but God, we're doing this. We're doing this together as the Word of God's preached. God, I, I'm going I'm to attune my he- ear to heaven. I'm, I'm going to stay in faith with, with you. Kate's worship leading next week. Pray for her during the week. Chris is preaching next week. Pray for him during the week. Prepare our hearts and say, you know what? I'm just not, I'm just not coming on a Sunday. Going, All right, let's just see what happens here. Oh, who's up on the docket this week? Oh, oh, great, Chris. He's funnier than Marty. This will be good. And shorter, probably. This will be, this will, this will, this will be, this will be great. Come with a heart prepared. Okay, God, you're going to move through Chris's life as he preaches. As Kate leads and as a worship team, lead us in worship. God, I, I thank you for them. They're, they're, they're going to lead us in power and strength. So two challenges. Number one, remember I said, will you come next Sunday with a heart prepared to worship God? Number two, these are really simple. We dedicate 10 minutes this week, just 10 minutes to worship God as warfare in your own time. Just, just, you might be like, hey, I'm all over this already. Great, keep going. But for many of us, this would be a gigantic step. 10 minutes, what's that? It's two worship songs or one like epic live version with free worship on the end. You know what, 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 what whatever, whatever it is, pick, pick your favorite song. But would, would, would you come and go, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship you, not just on a Sunday morning because they make us and there's a band and all that, but God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my AirPods in. I'm going to put the music on. I'm going to do it in my car on the way to work, but not just honk at everyone that cuts me off at the same time. I'm actually going to, you know, I'm going I'm to meet, meet with you today. And like I said, maybe you do this already awesome, but there's some here and you don't, and that's okay, but now's the time. Can I encourage you? Now's the time. Let, let, let's go. We don't say God's got it and then we passively sit back. In fact, it's interesting, right? So, so God, God told Jehoshaphat that he's got it in hand, but Jehoshaphat still sends out the musicians and singers first. God's like, you won't need to do anything. So Jehoshaphat doesn't take a day off, sit back and kick his feet up. Oh, God said, I won't have to do anything. He said, no, no, you still got to turn up. 
You've still got to play your part. You've still got to do stuff. Send out the singers. Send out the tambourines. Send out the gongs, the drums, the guitars, the bass guitars, or whatever, the guitars. You know, send out whatever you've got. And let's, let's praise God and lift up His name. And here's the second part of the challenge of this. And maybe, maybe this is a bit generalized, but maybe I'll just aim this at men for a second. Is don't just listen, sing. Oh, went quiet for a second. Don't, don't, just, don't just listen, sing. You're like, oh, I don't like singing. I don't sound good. That's what turning the music up is for. So you don't have to hear yourself. But can I tell you, there is something, there is something about opening your mouth and declaring who God is and what He's done. Yep, we can, we can listen to worship songs and they can bring us peace and we can listen to the words and that's great. But today, we're actually talking about worship as warfare. We're talking about worship. And what is worship as warfare? It's getting out and it's speaking and seeing something out with your mouth. It's saying, God, you know, it's saying you are more than able, not just listening to someone else telling me that God is more than able, but it's me speaking out and saying, no, no, God, you are more than able. Whatever I'm facing right now, you are more than able. Anything is possible. I don't just hear that, even though that's important, but I'm going to speak that and declare that out, that I'm going to open my mouth and declare it. And maybe you're here and you think, well, everything's going pretty well. I don't need to battle for anything at the moment. Can I encourage you, make a, make a preemptive strike. You know, you, know, you know what I mean? I, was, um, I bought flowers for Rachel once, no more than once, a couple, a couple, a couple of times. But, uh, and I was at, you know, it was supermarket flowers, so let's not put it up too high, right? And I remember I scanned them and the cashier's like, oh, what did you do wrong? And I'm like, no, it's a preemptive strike. I will do something wrong. And so this is like pre, um, just in case, you know, hedging my bets. Come on, let's do that with praise and worship. You might be like, you know what? Everything's going really well. I'm singing about the goodness of God at the moment. Amazing. But let's keep declaring who God is and what He has done over our lives. Let's keep taking ground in our own lives, not sitting back and settling for where we are, but moving forward into what God has called us now. So what we're going to do is, um, is right now, it's a little bit like practice. We're going we're to do it together because I honestly believe that worship is warfare. There's power over the enemy as we lift up the name of Jesus. And so in, in a moment, um, not yet, but in a moment, I'm going to get you to stand and we're going we're to sing this song. It's called Battle Belongs. And it's a great song because it just speaks so much about what we've just been looking at from the Bible. Here's some of the lyrics. It says this, when all I see is the battle, you see the victory. Or you see my victory, sorry. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. When we talk about changing our perspective. As I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. The Bible says in Psalms, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that He is with us, that His rod and His staff, they, they, they comfort us. There's nothing to fear now because I'm safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs 
to you. So across this place, come on, let's stand together. What battles are you facing right now? Like I said, it might be going great, but you're like, you know what? I'm making a preemptive strike here. But today, what we're going to do is we're going to declare the Word of God over our lives. We're going to declare that God is more than able. We're going to declare that no matter what the battle looks like right now, we're going to speak out and not just let the worship team lead us, but God, we're going to use our mouths as a weapon to declare the power of God over our lives. So come on, uh, team's going to lead us. Let's, let's sing that. That'll be awesome.